everyone. Uh, this is the fourth official soccer podcast. I am Manny and Justin. Uh, there's only one place to start where we have to talk about the greatest tournament of the millennium, um, which is the African Cup of Nations. Uh, so I do want to start by just, you know, uh, acknowledging that um, Nigeria is the best team in AFCON, surprisingly, so far. First team to qualify out of the group stages. Um, I, I'm just kidding, but no, actually, for real though, um, it's been it's been a great tournament so far. I really love it. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of things going on. A lot of other games, you know, outside of of you know with the leagues like the the Syria, the the EPL. But I would say in my re- in recent memory, I think this is the most interesting or most fun Afghan I've I've watched and mainly because there are a lot of upsets that you would not expect for example ghana is already out of the of afcon um and so far algeria who are the reigning champions are at risk of also crashing out of the of of afcon they so far have one point they're currently last in their group and the group where there's just Sierra leone and of course they have ivory coast but still shouldn't be you know it should be a group that they should easily qualify from um, so that's a very good group to watch. Um, and, and on Thursday, I think we'll find out um, the the final um, the final standings. Um, but apart from that, like I do want to highlight, uh, you know, a few games. I, I think mainly, I, I, it just always turns out that you know the teams that I like do well. I think, um, but um, for for Nigeria, they, I think for me they they have been the best team so far in the tournament. Um, their intensity, the patterns of play. The only thing that I know is missing is just the final, the final third. You know, they can't shoot or they can't cross the ball to save their lives. But apart from that, I think Nigeria has played very well. Um, and for me, uh, you know, especially with a team that that had to change the coach a few weeks before the tournament, um, something sparked, and I don't know what it is. Um, I know that each player got ten thousand um, dollars. After beating their the, the second team, but still I don't know how they've they've been able to essentially blow Mohamed Salah's Egypt out of the water. Um, it, I don't think it was even close. I think Egypt were so bad. Um, and it's funny. I think the people that do the you know the betting or whatever they have Ivory Coast as number one as a favorite to win. I think they have Egypt next if I'm not if I'm not wrong. Um, and then they also have Algeria third. Um, but the funny thing is that I don't think Ivory Coast is is all that this time around. At least they're not they're not straight up. They, it's it seems like a uh, how would I pull it? How would I call it? It seems like a um, just a bunch of stars in a team. Um, they do have the stars, but they just don't have the orchestration and and the the team togetherness to essentially grind out a win. Uh, but Tomorrow, on Thursday, they do play Algeria, which is very is going to be a, a very make or break game because that group right now, even though Ivory Coast is number one, they could technically still be out of that group or or maybe not qualify, but probably will qualify because they have four points and and Afghan they have the best uh, the best four teams out of all the groups the of like the best four of all the third placed teams essentially. Um, but but that said, that said, I think it's a great tournament so far. And if you're not watching, you're missing out. Um, and I would like to say I know probably a lot of our listeners are, are EPL fans. 
you know, the EPL players are scoring, you know. Um, we've had Mane score, we've had Nicolas Pepe, very great surprise. Very good goal, too. So Wait, who's, sure who's Nicolas Pepe? <laughs> what team does he play for? I, I, I don't recall... I don't I don't recall seeing he's, that guy. I on believe the pitch. he's on, he's on the, the, the team called Bench of Arsenal. I think that's the, oh, the that, name. That guy, the name. that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Got yeah. it. I mean yeah. hey, I mean we've had we're gonna get to it, but there's a lot of teams, um a lot of EPL teams that you know, run their players ragged, didn't let their players even come to the tournament in the first place. But Arsenal is not that type of club. Arsenal wanted to give <laughs> Nicola Pepe a lot of rest. <laughs> um, let him be like fresh for the tournament because they, they knew it was very important to him. The so, funny thing is, um, kudos to Arsenal. The goal he scored was really good, really good technique, outside the box shot, like place. He's it, capable of it. Um, People like the, sure like, yeah, call him a flop at Arsenal, but uh, you know, and maybe he definitely has not hit the heights everyone wanted him to, or cannot find a consistent place in the squad, but he's a great player. He's, he's able to pull like moments of like absolute magic out of his back pocket on, on occasions. He's that right. type of player, I think. And was yep. in that game that you're talking about, Bory, with that goal. Yep. Yep. Anyways. So, so that said, uh, I, I do want to, I don't want to give the, I want to give the floor to Manny because I know he has thoughts on who the favorites are. To be honest, from my point of view, Algeria are my favorites because I thought they looked good. I think, before this competition, they had not lost any game in, I want to say, like, 20-plus games. Um, they had not lost a game. And here we are, Algeria, last position in their group, a group that just that has Equatorial Guinea and Sierra Leone. Uh, I think Sierra Leone is, I think, maybe the first time in the tournament, too, yep. or something like that. Yeah, 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 um, debutants, yep. Yeah, so so it, it's really interesting. I, like, again, like I said, this is the most competitive Afcon, you know, since I've been alive, that or, you know, since I've since since I, since I remember, all I know is like previous Afcons is always big teams that go through Nigeria, Egypt, Morocco, Ivory Coast, Algeria. Like these are the teams that go through, but this time around it's not looking that way. We already have Ghana crashing out, um, and we we also have a very very funny officiating, and I know my EPL fans are gonna like this one. Um, there was an incident, and I can't remember what the game was, but there was an incident where a ref blew the the, the full time whistle at the 85th minute. It, it was bonkers. Twice. <laughs> Twice. Twice before yeah. the full 90 minutes. Before the full 90 minutes. Yeah, I'm not game, sure. What was the game number. actually ended. Yeah, the game actually ended in like the 89th minute, or like you know 90th minute, but before extra time had been played. Right. Right. So, so it's we've we've had some crazy thing. There's VAR, which is I think the first Afcon that has VAR actually. I think, um, but anyways, it's all good. But like I would like to hear from Manny and just understand why he thinks, even after seeing what Avicos has played, why he thinks Avicos is is the favorite to win. Dude, you just said it, Nicola Pepe. The, exactly. The secret, the secret. All right. All right. No, no, no. In all, in all seriousness, um. You know, one of these things, so just taking a step back and, and just acknowledging that the tournament as a whole, um, you don't really realize, you know, very often how much some of these players, are, like where they're playing, for example, especially in the EPL, until they go unnoticed or they're not playing on their respective squads, because most of these players are integral parts of these teams, you know? And so you see like these big names like coming and performing really well. And, you know, one that sticks out in my mind is, um, is Nabi Keita, for example, you know what I mean? Like he's 
it, I've been watching, you know, all as many games as I can, but just seeing him, for example, taking how much pride he has in his country, seeing that show up because it's not easy because at Liverpool, he's forgotten. He's like low man totem pole, you know, on the totem pole. But, you know, he's showing up for his country. He's putting the country he's on the captain. Back. He's the captain. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, he's spoken really well in interviews. Um, so it really just goes to show you how how important it is, um, you know, especially a tournament like this. And then uh, secondly, the amount of players that are, like I said, that are abroad that you may not even realize are, you know, are of African descent or are uh, dual citizens, for example. A lot of these players, I think there was like, um, I was reading on an article that said something like um, almost like a quarter of them uh, are dual citizens. Like they have dual citizenship, whether it's like an African country and a European country, for example. Um, and so they could choose to have played for either or, but they choose to, you know, represent their, um, you know, their African roots. Uh, I, I see Ivory Coast. I just, I, they're stacked, man. Like that team are. is so yeah. much depth. I would argue that on, on a positional position by position basis, uh, I think they have the most squad depth. And um, you look at it, you know, and you're, you you just go down the list and the roster and it's like a who's who on uh, on whatever team they're playing. You know, it, it's it's like they they, right. they have it's like rags to riches, right? Like they have so many options to, to choose from. Um, there's a reason why they are the favorites going into the tournament. You know, um, I still I still think, though. What's interesting about the group you just mentioned, I think I would categorize it as like the group of death, not before going into the tournament, because like you said, Algeria was like, everyone would have bet the house that they would finish first, that they would cruise through the group stages. But the fact that at the current standing, I think it's like first place, it's like, it's literally like four points, three points, two points, one point. Right. And it's like first place plays last, second place plays third place. And that'll right. have major implications I know across the board. So tomorrow is going to be a big, big day. Yeah, I think it's actually on. Is I think it's on Thursday. I, I bookmarked. Thursday, I, I yeah. Bookmarked Sorry. it because because I'm hoping that Benacer from Algeria will crash out and and then just come back to Milan because we need we need that help. Um, but no, I I, I do agree with you with Ivory Coast. I mean, Sebastian Haller is even scoring like you know he's he the Champions League highest goal scorer still scoring Afghan like he can't stop scoring. Um, and um, yeah, so so I agree I agree there. But I think you know again I I don't want to sound like you know I'm, I'm being biased here, but but really yeah, I think the one surprise for me in this tournament is Nigeria. And I, I mean of course we have the the Sierra Leone uh, you know time with uh, Ivory Coast I believe. Um, as a surprise, you know, small teams being like Comoros, for example, being Ghana today, uh, 3-2. Uh, I think Comoros, like that was like probably the major, the most the upset, upset of the of tournament. The tournament. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But but I, I would say that like Nigeria for me has been surprising because again, like I said, Nigeria like lost their, lost their coach a few weeks before AFCON. Um, essentially had a ton of issues with a lot of clubs. It seems like Nigeria was the one that had the most issues, and I'm going to list them out. I'm going to call them out on the podcast. I, I mean, I think this is just kind of delving into the other parts of, of this AFCON situation. But um, even with all the adversity, 
Nigeria is doing very well, and the intensity they're playing with is is actually unreal. It's something I've not seen in a few years. But um, I do want to call out, like you know, we've had issues with with players like Emmanuel Dennis, um, Ojani Gallo for his club uh, in Saudi Arabia, um, uh, you know, um, uh, Victor Simen, uh, who by the way played yesterday uh, with for Napoli. Um, I'm not sure how that is even like it's a weird story there. Um, and um, yeah, just just a few other players that uh, around Europe. I think there's one or two I'm, I'm forgetting right now. But I, I think it's it's really it's really annoying. That personally, the disrespect. I think it's disrespectful. I don't care if we didn't call somebody by a deadline, right? Like I like I think the rule, at least in, in the EPL, was uh, and specifically for Watford, it w- was if you don't call a player by a certain deadline, then the club decides if the player goes or not. And I don't think it's a good thing to deprive a player that's doing so well and deny that player from representing his country when especially you know that this year is a World Cup here, right? And, and let's 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 all be real. Watford may end up in the second division next next um the beginning of next season uh, in this in the second division next season. And that could ruin Emmanuel Dennis's chances of playing the World Cup in in 2022 if we qualify. So my point is I just feel like clubs these days are, I understand that they have to worry about the money, but they have to also think about where these player, players come from. I mean, Emmanuel Dennis won't be playing at Watford if there was no Nigeria. Like, you know, like if his parents had, I don't know where his parents are from uh, exactly, or I don't know if they met in Nigeria, but like, you get my point. Like Nigeria made these players, right? Somehow, whether it's directly or indirectly, they made these players so to deprive them of that of that ability to play, and the the one that also pisses me off is Napoli. I mean, the 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 issue with Osimhen was even even weirder because Osimhen had this when Napoli played Inter Milan earlier in the season. Um, he had a broken face essentially. Apparently, it was one of the hardest surgery to do. He had like like hairline fractures in his face. He now has to wear a mask. So he's been healing. Um, this dude over the uh, Christmas break went to went to Nigeria. You know, everyone goes back home to Nigeria during the Christmas break. Dude had COVID, stayed in Nigeria for until Afcon started, until well, or a week or so before Afcon started. At least when the training camp was open, um, this dude could have just slipped into the. He could just gone to the to the training camp, but no, Napoli recalled him, and lo and behold, he he's fit already playing for Napoli, right? Uh, played yesterday so i i think we need to i think i don't know how fifa or who you know what the situation is i know the contracts probably i think the player the clubs technically own these players but it's really annoying and aggravating that they're depriving this tournament of more views right like if who doesn't want to see Osimhen? The, the whole of Italy, the whole of Napoli wants to see Osimhen play in the AFCON. If Osimhen had gone, people will probably watch AFCON more, right? Just because of the situation that that Osimhen has done in, in Napoli. I mean, he's been tremendous for them this season. So if we don't win it, I mean, if we don't win it, you know, we have a, we have uh, we have a reason why we didn't win it because we were deprived. But it's just really really annoying that we we had to we've had to go through this. Um, and then the other thing that really I think aggravates me is the fact that people are saying, well, why are we playing AFCON in January? Like, no, it doesn't make sense. Like, this is middle of the season. Well, go play 
in Cameroon in July and tell me how how that works out for you. Like people don't realize that the weather is different in in different parts of the world at certain times of the year. So, anyways, this that's my rant. My rant is over. Um, I don't know if any one of you have any thoughts. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with largely with all the points that you've made, Bori, and I think that it speaks towards an overall like Eurocentrism when it comes to the sport. I mean, a Western centrism when it comes to the world, unfortunately, but with the sport, if we're just going to uh, narrow our focus only onto the, the sport that we all love, it's like, just like, what does UEFA want? What are the big um, European leagues and top teams, the, the super league, um, you know, aspirants, what is it that they want? And that's like kind of dictates how the rest of the world has to react to the sport and what players can and can't do and what national teams can and can't expect. So um, I agree with all of that. I, I think another element that is separate and apart from like the players who could and could not play because of uh, their club commitments was just um, the dialogue and the narrative around COVID and this tournament. Like we heard back in, I feel like as early as late November and into December, like all these like very nebulous reports and statements from European media outlets and European like actual like officials in the sport from different, some of the different domestic leagues in Europe about how uh, AFCON was going to get called off because of COVID because they weren't able, they were going to be able to control the spread of COVID because the concerns of like, you know, for stadium capacity and logistical reasons that they're going to have to call off the tournament. And AFCON officials were very adamant and public, like, no, this reporting and the, these statements are just false. They're flat out false. The tournament is going ahead. We have protocols in place. We're going to limit capacity at our stadiums. <clears throat> and it will be no different than um, any other tournament. And, and we've made lots of statements, all of us, about uh, the wisdom in holding international national uh, national team play uh, amidst the pandemic. But like at the end of the day, the fact is there are several European leagues, including the most expensive one in the world, the EPL, which cannot get a handle on COVID. But nobody talks about canceling right. the EPL. Right. right. <laughs> that, that's like exactly. absurd. It's like it, it's just like the, this inherent bias that like if anything the Afcon is a not important so we, it, if any it could be canceled like you know at a moment's notice like we, that European soccer officials don't have any problem with that happening and b the uh, again inherent bias that the assumption that basically like Afcon won't be able to like the, the people who are running Afcon won't be able to do their jobs correctly it's basically what they're saying like they they won't be able to have a safe tournament exactly. Yeah, I, I actually, can you answer answer me this? I because I can't even keep track anymore. Is the EPL at the hundred percent capacity in stadiums, or have they reduced it? No, they're at a hundred. Yeah, can you imagine that? They're at a hundred. They're not wearing masks in the stadium. Mm -hmm. I see them packed because I see them in the stands. I but I can't tell if it's like the stadium is full or not. And if you look at Afcon there's like you know space i mean they're still kind of packed but it's still you can still see empty seats so i mean yeah afcon is not 100 percent capacity in stadium so it's really like when i heard those news like to be honest i wasn't sure what was true because i didn't understand who i didn't even know who to believe but 
now right. that looking back now i'm just thinking maybe that maybe certain people did that to kind of a- encourage everybody to push against afcon and say like let's just get rid of afcon um but very i mean very aggravating but i'm not you know what i'm not going to dwell on it because the, I, I like the tournament so far it's great i think especially the knockout stage will be very interesting so i employ everyone out there to to really watch and you know Help, help out Mother Africa, you know. But um, I think we have to start with the EPL because, you know, we're talking about EPL and talking about stupidity and talking about, you know, this crazy league. But uh, I think there's only one place to start, and that is with COVID. Hold on, Maury. You know? Before you... you, you, you oh, move, oh, do you have a question for me? I a question me. for you, yeah. Oh, Being we as we're about to transition to the EPL, can you answer me this? Where, which... Which I guess who has the worst refs at the at this moment? Is it Afcon oh, or the EPL? Which EPLs are worse? I want to ask you guys both. Okay. Yeah, Sophie's choice. Oh god. So the right answer. I I mean that's what I, I would say. Afcon. I've never seen that get, uh, calling the 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 game off at 85th minute before, um, and then twice. <laughs> Yeah, 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 twice. <laughs> I have not seen that before, so that's definitely unique. So I, I mean, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Afcon for the strangeness of of the the peculiarity of that incident. Um, I think there's been maybe one or two more that were strange, but not as like was EPL level strange essentially. But I think I think maybe EPL has an edge over it because it's more consistent. <laughs> Consistently worse or yeah. wrong. Yeah, I'll give right, you that. Yeah. But but answer. but no, I I would say that 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 ref that called off the game twice before the 90th minute that was really weird. And to be honest, I mean, people are saying that maybe it was a heat stroke or like maybe it was confused because of the heat. I don't know. But to me, is it was just flipping weird to uh to to to, to have that. Um, I would say if Syria, there was a a doozy of a game yesterday with Milan, you know, but. Um, refs are so bad these days. Like maybe I think we, I feel like we need a, a, a brand new podcast for just like refs being bad. And just, maybe maybe we'll have a new section on our. That's podcast. a new segment. It's like the oh, yeah, yeah. The, ref. The, the, the ref the ref of the week. Yeah, it goes yeah. to the most egregious calls made by refs across the across ref. the five uh, European uh, leagues. And there's no shortage of content. I'm sure we could find. Something to talk about. Each <laughs> every we could find, we could find a candidate, a likely candidate for ref of the week every every episode. Yeah. Anyways, so I'm so to be honest, I've not watched so much EPL recently like I should have. Um. So I'm going to be leaning on both of you in this episode to really answer my questions because I, I'm really curious about all the COVID things that are going on. I've heard the tablets, I've heard the news, I've heard people talk about this, but I fully don't understand. So. What I'm trying to understand, and I feel like it's it really started with Klopp and the false positives, right? Like, 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 what what really went on there? Is it that like Klopp? Is it, is it that like they they said these people were positive and then they called off the game because of that? Because I don't understand how that's even possible. You know, like how how is the whole uh, club that's probably managed by really high of health officials have having this kind of problem in a, in the pandemic? So I'll take a first crack at it since that 
those false positives that you're referring to, Bori, those were the that was the justification that was used for calling off uh, or postponing rather the first leg of the EFL Cup tie between Liverpool and Arsenal. And I think so. The thing is, I don't know if we're ever going to get a full answer about how that happened because the um, <clears throat> the EFL or the FA have declined to investigate further like you know what what led to liverpool's uh application for postponement and the the approval of it and the and i don't also i want to be careful because i don't want to like accuse liverpool of anything nefarious necessarily because i mean like it's not like liverpool klopp isn't in the back at his home lab uh running COVID tests right <laughs> he's like with samples so like there's a private company here involved that's in charge of these types of things, like, you know, an independent body. So they statistically doesn't make any sense. Statistically, it's like essentially impossible for there to be this many false positives. So like maybe they just had a bad test batch. The the lab screwed it up in some way. And in which case, like, you know, that should be like the Ministry of Health in Britain, I would hope would that they should step in if that was the case. But um, as far as football fans are concerned, I don't know if we're ever going to get a straight answer about how exactly that uh that whole that all went down that led to that postponement yeah and it's not like they could play and you know the game because it's not like they have players in reserve like i don't know u23s like no you know what well, i mean like, that's the that's the next question right that's where we need to step up this conversation to the next level which is obviously there are those players like manny's referring to in the u23s you they said i mean per the league recommendations or the guidance it's like you can go up to like u21s with quote i'm air quotes acceptable experience or something like that i don't know what that means exactly but um obviously the big clubs especially and i'm going to include arsenal here because obviously i know you you two are going to be coming knives out for me momentarily here after we're done talking about liverpool but like obviously the big clubs have a plethora of academy and u23 players who they could call upon if need be okay yeah, but so, so go ahead Oh, no, I mean, really, I, I'm glad you, you've talked about Arsenal because obviously we, we were going to ask you about that. Like this this episode could have just been called like, why did Arsenal get a pass, right? But maybe I'll, I'll give this to Manny because I want I want somebody unbiased to to really talk about this. Can you just explain to <laughs> well, people you're that? Well, you going to Manny no, no. for the unbiased opinion? Yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. The voice, I'm going of, to the voice, the yeah. voice of reason. So this, right. so here, here's tell, the thing. Tell me what 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 went on, like just the whole thing, because I don't understand so, how Arsenal got a pass. Yeah, I I don't, I mean, I don't know either. Uh, so here's the thing. Not even just, I guess, taking a step back. Not even just uh, focusing on the on the game between Liverpool and Arsenal. There have been numerous games, not just this season as well, but the previous season, last season, in domestic cups, where there were similar situations. And the FA made it mandatory for certain teams to play. Now, my question here is, the thing is, like, there's bias, right? Like, whether we want to call it that or not, you know, it, it's, there. there's bias. There's some teams that get the benefit of the doubt, that get that help. Um, if I don't know if you guys recall, last, last season there was a game, and I, I can't remember if it was, like, the FA or the EFL, um and it was between Aston Villa and uh Liverpool and Aston Villa was in the same position that Liverpool were quote unquote in last week 
and they were made to play the game. It was like they were told you play the game or you forfeit. So what did they do? They went into the reserves. They had something like uh, 10 debuts, professional debuts. So you're talking about kids that are, what, uh, 17, 18, you know, playing against the likes of, you know, Liverpool. And granted, they won. No, no, they didn't. They got destroyed. It was like 5-0, right? (laughs) But the point I'm trying to get at is, What's the difference between that game? Like, what what is the precedence, right? Like, what is the criteria? Where where is it that the powers that be actually make the calls fairly across the board for any team, whether you're an Aston Villa or a Liverpool, an Arsenal or a Brighton? You know what I mean? A Burnley or you know, like where does it stop? And what we're seeing more and more is what I've noticed is that. Obviously, like everything, it's about revenue. Some of these teams with TV rights, they have been paid a certain amount of money to the league and to these teams that they are guaranteed they're going to play on a certain time slot on a certain time of day, for example, right? Um, and like, hey, like it is what it is. Like you have to play, you you have to put it out there. Now, my question here then becomes like, if we keep talking about how certain leagues are the best. And for the sake of this argument, we talk about the premier league is the best, right? It's the most competitive. It has the more money, the most money yet doesn't have the best officiating yet. It's not really very well governed by the FA. It's, there's no consistency across the board as far as like, you know, the, the calls that are made about what teams are postponed. Like what's the legitimate excuse to not play a game. Should we be playing any games at all? You know, uh, to Justin's point, you know, and so like that's where you start taking into consideration the integrity of the game, because the last thing that you want to do is as a as a viewer, as a fan of just not even just your team playing. I, I think like of just a sport is seeing a crappy game because you had to a certain team had to field like, uh, you know, not their star players. You know what I mean? Like their star players are out and then you have a game that should have been competitive, would have been competitive if everyone is healthy, but they're not giving that opportunity, right? And so then we get into that fine line and those fine margins of like, okay, what, what, like, what, are, what are we talking about here? Like, who, who takes precedence over what? Like, who's making those calls? And I think like that's where the point where like as the fans and as the viewers, you're losing out on that. Not even just like as right. a spectator, but like imagine going to the game and seeing like, I'm going to go see, I don't know, uh, I, I don't know, um, Mo Salah, Cristiano Ronaldo, whoever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You're going to see, you want to see these players play, you know, that makes such a huge impact, let alone what it could mean down the road for the season, you know? So right. that that's what I'm getting at is like, you know, I don't blame Arsenal. I'm not going to give you too much crap, Justin, because Arsenal isn't the first team to do it. And there certainly won't be the last team to do it. I can guarantee you that. I mean, in the Premier League, Burnley, yeah. Burnley has like eight <clears throat> games in hand or something absurd like that, where it's just like, all right, who for their opponents, let's say that their opponents are like, let's say it's like the top uh, six of those games are against the top six teams that are playing in like four other competitions. Where do, does the player welfare and the health of those players come into play as well? You know, 
are you going to be running those players, you know, like down, like playing every 48 hours? Like, is that even make sense? Like you got to think yeah. about all these things. And I feel like, yes, we're still in a pandemic and all of that, but maybe we should, they should have reevaluated like how some of these competitions are done instead of two legged affairs, you make it a one legged affair. You know what I mean? Like I it's it. just certain they're, things like that. They already paid the TV deal. <laughs> no, but, but at the same time, yeah, you take the TV deal, but you have to make, um, a decision that's sensible and so far what it seems to be like is you just they're just picking and choosing what games are being played and when and that across the board doesn't make any sense at all like it should be yeah. fair and consistent across the board and now it's too late you can't set rules yeah. now like you know what i mean you can't do well, it well there's still there's still i feel like they, they could still put a stop to it because it's going to keep getting abused especially when the champions league is back next season uh, next uh, next month this year is actually really weird because I don't know if you all are even really thinking about this, but if you look forward to what's going to happen in the future, it seems like what I'm hearing from the clubs, like big clubs, because the World Cup is 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 in November slash December this year. I think the the clubs are still going to start in the regular time, like in August. You know, the the, the league games are going to start in August. Where are they going to have the time? Like I feel like some games to play need to be played in the summer but then now we're talking about games that are being postponed which may shift things towards the summer and then maybe we're supposed to start this you know the next season in the summer because of the world cup like th- dude like it's it's feeling unreal like how many um what the the situation is right because of of like the cancellation of games and or postponement of games um it's very I mean, we had a shortened preseason this summer, right? I mean, all these years are blending together, but you know what I mean. In between the start of the pandemic, the season that was truncated because of the start of the pandemic, uh, then there's a like a shortened because the the league had to play into well into the summer, a shortened like training period, like a rest recovery training camp period before the start of the next season. Same thing's going to happen seemingly potentially this year. Uh, Bori, to your point, like it's like, yeah, it's like the next crisis is already on the horizon. Like there's going to be a World Cup. If you start postponing games and leagues go on hold during the World Cup, which I, I believe they will, uh, many of them, like right. where the, what are those games going to be rescheduled? It's just like uh, a boulder rolling rapidly downhill, just accumulating more and more and more debris as it goes. And there's got to be a breaking point eventually. Yeah, and you know, uh, I don't know where that the, would be. And the other thing, and the other thing, like you know, a World Cup shouldn't even be happening. Like, <laughs> like let's be honest, well, it shouldn't even be happening. Well, we're gonna need uh, another let, episode for that. I will actually say this: if they had done things legitimately, then I'll be happy for it to happen at that time. And then the clubs should just adjust the time. But we know what went on. But it with, hasn't. With the, and so the uh, other yeah. thing is, like the other thing is, um, with everything that's going on, uh, these players are like you know, athletes, right? Top of the line, tip top shape. But you're starting to see how condensed seasons, game after game after game, some of these players are not at their level that you've seen them in the past. Like Jorginho? Huh? Like Jorginho? Well, I'm saying like players also that are getting like, uh, you know, let alone the effects of COVID. You know, there's a lot more studies coming out now about, I mean, most recently, um, Aubameyang. Yeah. Yeah. Aubameyang is a perfect example. I mean, Aubameyang, so 
Aubameyang got COVID. This is the second time he's got COVID. Um, he got COVID at the start of the season, I think. And then he had also like a malarial infection, which was separate and apart from the COVID. Um, plus all the games, condensed schedules. Now he's an AFCON like... He's not even you know, playing... You, you, He's not you can clearly he's, he's not going to right. I, I, I well I know now he's not play, he hasn't been for the past month or so but like before he became before he like lost his captainship and that all went down and he got benched but like before that happened like everyone could see there was a clear decline in this player and like maybe you can't ascribe it to the health effects of condensed schedules fatigue recovery from covid malaria now he's got COVID again maybe you can't describe it to that but like you know you can it would be a safe um assumption if you were to make it like you know there's clearly he's a different player than he was a couple of years ago there's a little less pep in his staff I think I think the English media is so harsh and also English fans are so harsh on, on certain players and I think that's also part of it if I'm being honest I mean look at Bakayoko you know when it was in Chelsea Everyone was just so critical of him, but then he, suddenly he went to to Milan in Syria and he was he was busting it, right? So that's anyways. that's entirely true. Sterling, so, yeah, this is he. Sterling will go to Barcelona. Sterling. You'll see, he'll be like oh, uh, gosh. the best well, player in the world potentially. I mean, to, to, so here's the other thing: turmoil and divisiveness sells, right? So what better way to sell papers than to make up stories, run with storylines? You name Andy, it. You sound like and you have experience in this. Yeah. I mean, I, I do have experience in this as a Chelsea fan. I'm just being honest with you because, like, uh, again, like, everything that's going on, right? Like, I'm, I can only speak for, like, what I've experienced as a Chelsea fan. But um, football in England, right, is a religion, right? And the tabloids, the media will pick and choose any story and just go with it, right? Like, you saw what happened after the Euros with Saka, with, you know, right. all those players. I was going to say, I mean, not, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but, like, they yeah. pick and choose, but there's a strong tendency and a pretty clear pattern of which players they pick and choose. No, agreed, agreed, yeah. I, I, it's, I, I, it's the black agree. ones, and it's the ones who typically aren't English. Yep, no, I completely agree. And so, again, like, this is not going to go away anytime soon because storylines like that sell. And at the end of the day, all they want to do is get you to click, clickbait, right? It is what it is. Unfortunately, that's just the way it goes. I mean, there's no, there's not going to be any changing of that anytime soon. It's not, change like that doesn't happen overnight. And we've talked about it on this podcast time and time again. So let's not beat a. All right. right. So let, let, Let's move on because I, you know, Actually, that was I, we'll, more, I'm sure we'll talk- me more than that was more depressing to me than if you just come at me about Arsenal. That actually, <laughs> I would have preferred that <laughs> the way that conversation just ended. So um, just oh, yeah, just real quick. I mean, so yeah, just yeah, to yeah. hammer home the point that the different the spread right now in games uh, is five. Manchester City have played 22 matches. I don't think they've had any. Maybe they've had like one cancellation. And Burnley sitting at the bottom of the table. Uh, the other polarity, they've only played 17. There's five well, games Chelsea, between them that will need Chelsea to be. Chelsea has played 23. Chelsea has uh, played. You're right. Most... Chelsea's played 23. You're correct. Yeah, so that's six games then. I stand corrected. Yeah, six games. I mean, to be fair though, um, in Burnley's defense, like their games aren't particularly attractive to watch, regardless of 
whether they have their kids or their their first team players on the field. Oof. So maybe they're just sparing I, us. Wonder if we have some Burnley fans listening. Come on, man. Hey, we're... Well, their best player is at Afcon anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay. I bet you guys don't know who that is. Who is that? Wait, wait pop the, quiz. The best. Yeah, best the player Burnley's from... best player is an is 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 an Afcon right now. Let's see, pop quiz. Let's see if you guys know oh, who it is. My God. Yeah, you guys can't right because you guys all see white guys. <laughs> well, I thought I thought Burnley's I thought best Burnley's... player was uh was uh Wood. Yeah, Chris Wood, but I thought there was also Burnley's um, point of Chris Wood is no Chris Wood is no longer boys. Chris Wood's no longer a Burnley player. No longer. Oh, he's not. Okay, so who can you tell us? Can you tell us who the best yeah. player? Yeah. So Burnley's best player is actually uh, their newest acquisition signed uh, this season, who goes by Maxwell Cornet, who's a f- who came from the uh, Lyon. And yeah. was tearing it. I mean, he's he's like a mixture between like an Emmanuel Dennis and uh, and a uh, Saint Maximus. Like he's got that technique, speed, um, but he has the, the finishing as well. Like he's a, he's a really good player. And it's kind of yeah. weird that he's uh, that Burnley of all teams in hey, EPL's the got money man I'm t- dude oh, well, I mean EPL, like, that's Burnley just doesn't gonna, get players like well, that he's going to he's going to go somewhere else because they're definitely getting relegated this season and I can't I wait I don't think so I don't think I don't think they will actually Where I mean, else are they going to make up the those They six, have 6 games in hand they'll be fine they'll be yeah. fine I think they'll I come think. back up Yeah I'm not, I'm not sure I, though I hope it comes they have back they have won just one game this season to be fair <laughs> So I see yeah. where you're coming from, Manny. <laughs> uh, so he does. Uh, I believe he plays. Um, uh, he's on the Ivory Coast. I believe he's Cote d'Ivoire. Well, Manny, you think? I mean, you caught me off guard there. That that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, that was a good time off. All right, let let's bring it back to you know when we talk about EPL, we always talk about the top four. Um, I think Manny, I think I already see that you have a difference of what the top four means the interpretation because the way i see the top four right now i think that we need to give the trophy to manchester city right now there's no point in playing this league because it's done it's done i think this league is a manchester city league until pep leaves this club it's a it's a Manchester city league and i don't i don't think anyone can say no to that um but instead of going to Manny, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask Justin. Justin, how do you feel about if about the top the top four, and do you think this positioning is going to change at the end of the season? Uh, I think I agree with you that this is Man City's year, as has frequently been the case since Pep joined them. Uh, I think they're just running away with the title at this point. And then it's, it's, I feel like in terms of just organization of the league overall, it's like, you know, there's Man City clearly a class above right now. Um, then there's Liverpool and Chelsea. And then there are, there's going to be like this, this race for fourth, fourth position, which is like, you know, that's, that's where Arsenal, Spurs, Man United, all the traditional big clubs are. And then also obviously West Ham, who we've talked about in the past in our previous episodes of the season about how uh, surprising West Ham has been. And I think we had mentioned last time we talked about West Ham and how well they've do they've been doing that they still have to go through their trial by fire 
um, which they have slipped up a little bit since we last spoke about them. Like in the month of December was not particularly kind to them, but uh, they're still right there. They're still right up there currently in fourth place. They have a couple of games uh, or like, you know, the other teams have a couple of games in hand on them, but they, to their credit, they're still sitting in fourth position right now. So I think that fourth spot is really, that's where the exciting race is going to be this season is who's going to get that last champions league slot. All right, Manny, I need you to uh, surprise me and make me open my mouth because I'm not understanding why you think the top one to three at least is not set right now. Whoa, 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 and, whoa. and even with the possibility of, of even if I'm being honest, Chelsea, I think, I don't know what's going on there, but maybe we can talk about that after. But like, why do you think, first of all, Man City is not set already? Uh, so I'm, no, no, no. So it's football and... We are talking about playing the game in, in unprecedented times, right? With COVID and everything that's going on. What is to, you know, what is to stop City from, let's say, getting a COVID outbreak, you know, next week or something like that? And then they can't field the players. And seeing as how City are pretty much in every competition, I think they're like in four competitions. Um, they don't have the flexibility in their schedule to make up those games, right? Like, you can't just reschedule some of them. So, I'm not saying that it's over, like, 100%. I would say that, yes, they're sitting pretty right now, but we've seen it across the board time and time again. I mentioned um, PSG uh, last season, actually. We had a really good lead um, at this halfway point in January, and it, they ended up squandering Atletico Madrid, we talked about them. Look at what happened. Bori, don't even get me started on AC Milan in the lead that you guys had, which is, which was what, 10 points, 11 points? I can't even remember. I, I, I shall speak not. Exactly. <laughs> so my, my, my thing is, so what I'm trying to get at is, like, anything can happen in, in football, right? Like, if you look at a Chelsea a month ago, people were saying that we were going to win the league, you know? And then what happened exactly a month ago? I'll tell you what happened. Reese James decided to take a picture with Drake and henceforth proving that the Drake curse is real in sports. Okay. <laughs> so Drake, if you're listening, if you're listening, I mean every word. I hate you. Okay. Like that. No, picture, you just got to tell him to go uh, hang out with, you know, some Man City players. Yeah, exactly. I mean, oh. No, but it, but in all seriousness, uh, in that picture, it does exist, and it coincidentally aligns with the demise of Chelsea this season for one reason or another. But um, no, like you know, a month ago, Chelsea had was great. They were in first place. Uh, everything was great. Lukaku hadn't given a, a stupid interview. Um, <laughs> both of our both of our uh, fullbacks, our, our, you know, our wingbacks, we had Chilwell and Reese James, which are integral to this formation. And we've talked about it in the way that Chelsea play. Like, those two players are pivotal, um, if not one of the most important. I'd rate them in, like, top three of the importance in terms of, like, what they provide and how the system works for Tuchel. We lost both of them. And COVID, uh, we have a condensed schedule. Uh, here's another random fact for you. Chelsea is the, across the European top five leagues, Chelsea has played the most games out of any team across the five leagues thus far. Damn. 
Not even with Real Madrid because Real Madrid. No, because remember, uh, other other leagues get um, a holiday break. Oh right, right, right. right. Um, that's true. That's so true. So that those like two weeks that you know, like Ligon and uh, Serie A and uh, La Liga are off. Chelsea played uh, every two two days during that festive period. Mm. So. You know, yeah, but I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, got the squad, though. No, I'm not. They've got no. the squad. <laughs> Here's on. the thing. You can have, yeah, so you can have a squad, but, like, what good does it do if uh, they're in COVID protocols and can't train? And then on top of that, there's uh, there's not enough recovery time. And for context, for example, today when we drew Brighton earlier today, Brighton played has played two games in the last 14 days. Chelsea, this was their fourth game in the last 12 i mean they've played the highest so far in the epl no one's played 23 games well no so they played it across in all of europe because they're also they're alive in every competition right so right, right, right. But, but i'm saying like if you look at the epl table right now chelsea's the only one that has the highest match played so so yeah i, yeah. I see you take your point yeah so what i'm trying to get at is like as we've been talking about it we you know, we're starting to see the effects of a condensed schedule. Last season, we saw kind of what the project restart looked like for some of these teams with more elite talent. Chelsea was one of those teams that really benefited from the from the stopgap, like the two and a half months, right? It gave everybody time to rest, recover, and have a fully healthy squad. And you could see what a fully healthy squad looks like. But when you're, you know, fighting against COVID and uh, injuries and uh, there's no time to really train get the tactics down and then have time to recover and travel like you're starting to see what what that can really do to a team um now i'm not making excuses i'm just calling out the facts and the one silver lining that i see in this is the fact that they're still alive in five competitions right they they have the opportunity i mean let's premier league aside i guess that before but they still have the club world cup and all the other you know efl um the carabao champions league as well um but we'll, we'll see what happens like we're in a, a again the rules are still changing and i don't know if you guys saw this but france with the new ban i don't know if you guys heard about this with uh novak djokovic about right right what they did so that not only applies to him it applies to all the athletes that are going to be playing yeah. in france now the other interesting thing is England is not one of those countries that had mandated um, vaccines for their athletes, right? So for like EPL, for example. And Chelsea has been kind of secretive along with some of these other teams about who's vaccinated and not. Since the uh, proposal in France um, by President Macron is that everybody needs to be vaccinated, Chelsea has a game against Lille. And mm, yeah, that's very interesting. And so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see because there's no way if Novak Djokovic, who's ranked number one player in the world in tennis, could get a Milan with fan, it. by the way. Milan fan, by the way, just putting that out there. That's exactly why he didn't get into the country. He was denied at the border. Yeah, um, I know. I'm, I'm ashamed of, of that. Yeah, <laughs> no, go, what, go I'm, ahead, what I'm go. saying is like, you know, now, now it's like these different governing bodies, right? And you go back to the question of like, who are the powers that be? Who make the decisions in an international competition the same way that they were trying to discredit AFCON from happening or what was going on. You start getting into these murky waters and 
let's just see what happens. Like, I don't know. Chelsea could field some U23 players against Leo for, for all we know, just because they have some unvaccinated players. So. You know what's weird about that whole thing about things? I mean, okay, first of all, I, I'm for people keeping things secret. And if they want to, you know, if they want to tell if they're vaccinated or not, that's fine. I don't care. Like, it, it, like it's even weird. Like, even Milan had a, a COVID issue and they said the players will respect, like, the players don't want to say, uh, I said they don't want to tell the world who they are. But then we can tell because they're not playing the games. You're not in the games. You're not training. So, yeah, we know who you are. So, what's the point of hiding it? I think it's just, it's, it's just really, it's, to me, it's weird that that people want privacy, but then they're also in the limelight and like millions, mil- maybe billions, but let's just say millions of fans are watching games week in, week out. So they know who is missing. So now that you're saying this whole thing, which I didn't even realize because I did see the news about France saying Djokovic cannot make it, but it does make sense because if you're not say if you're saying Djokovic can come, you have to extend it to all other exactly. professionals. So now we're gonna know in Chelsea in the Chelsea squad who's not vaccinated because we're gonna hear that somebody is injured or whatever, and and then we know like oh injured means that like they're just not. Yeah, know, and vaccinated. and then the the other interesting aspect of this I think um, also um, is the psychology of what this does to team chemistry, team unity in the locker room, um, having... That is so, that's such a great point, Manny. You know, um, just thinking about the fact of, like, let's say that soccer, football, right, soccer, all teams, it's, it's mostly a team sport, right? And right. you have these guys, everyone has to believe, everybody has to be on the same page, um, everybody has to give it their all for everything to work, right? What happens when all of a sudden someone's vaccination status is you know it's a prerogative like you said it's whether they want to keep it a secret or not but then when you come into situations like this where you have to uh, disclose what your choice is then you start getting into what players what's the chemistry like when you say hey if if i take the vaccine does that mean that just because you're not taking it does do you not care about like my health health my welfare um, our chances of winning our team, like you start getting exactly. into, and exactly. and so yeah. then that could, you know, potentially yeah. be something toxic in the locker room that is not needed, right? And like right. I said, like, right. and, and the other thing is like when when everyone's winning, it's great, right? It's like when when you start losing, it's when you start seeing the real cracks and stuff. And so we'll see what happens. Like, yeah. like I said, yeah. like I, I think there's not a sports psychology has become a big thing in the last few years right you know like the same way that sports science has evolved it'll be interesting to see what the what the dynamics of something like this is as far as like like i said like team success and not only that but um planning for the future right like transfers purchasing players selling players like you know this could have a massive impact on an organization on a club on a team uh, at the sport right yeah yeah for for this years is, years to come. Yeah, this is so. I mean, man, you've just opened my eyes to something I never even thought about before. Hey, hey Justin, how's uh, that for voice of reason? <laughs> hey, Justin, is Ben really good. We came... Huh? Is Ben White vaccinated? Do you know? <laughs> ben White. Yeah, the best defender. Yeah, in the That's EPL, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I sure <laughs> hope so because um, if we don't have him, then it, it, our defense no. is looking rather thin also. So we don't have the luxury of having the depth of squad like uh, Chelsea or Manchester City do. So. Oh, great. But, but you have the money to throw it at Vlaovic, correct? Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Makes <laughs> I don't sense. know, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, we're really running uh, low on time. So I think the only thing that we really can talk about right now is just the FIFA 11 uh, selections. Um, I I understand, and I think let's not even worry about. I mean, okay, can we just acknowledge that we finally acknowledge that Mendy is number one keeper? Um, not according to uh, not according to the uh, FIFA Pro 11. Wait no, I thought he he won. Oh wait, I might think. Well, the 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 FIFA the best award. Mandy is number one, right? But that doesn't translate over to the fifth fifth pro. Are no, you it serious? Doesn't. No, it doesn't. Oh my God. Yeah. So I, that's. I assume yeah, you did. So I, I guess this is a red card segment for all of us because I had put this as a red card segment for uh, the whoever chose this lineup because it makes no sense. First of all. Nobody plays a three, uh, a, uh, what is it? Like a three, a three, 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 four. four. Yeah, three, <laughs> three, four in, in, in football. Okay, that team would get destroyed. I don't I care wish. if um, Ronaldo or Messi and Mbappe. Uh, and, bring it back. Bring it back like the old days. They used to play like, what? Play three, three, four. Two, zero, <laughs> like eights. We should do that. This is, all, uh, this is all politics. This is a popularity contest. And quite honestly, to Bori's point, um, Edouard Mendy, um, shout out to him for being the first African keeper to not only win the Champions League but also win this award. But then they didn't even give him the fifth pro like starting yeah. eleven. They give it to Donnarumma. So yeah, I know it's weird. That's weird. And and there was a, there was a few other uh, really questionable uh, selections in there. I mean, you have David Alaba. Bonucci. Yeah, that that's weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bonucci was horrible. I, in my opinion, as last why is now. Cristiano and and Messi in this? Okay, okay. Can we talk about that? So, oh, here we go. Everyone knows that. Obviously, I'm a fan of Messi. I'm not gonna hide that. And you know what that means. If I'm a fan of Messi, that means I don't naturally think Ronaldo is the best. But I still think he's number second best in the world. So that said, should Ronaldo be there in the conversation? Yeah. I think yes. I think yes. How Ronaldo was high school scorer in Syria for the first time, by the way, last season, Syria. He was high school scorer in Euros joint with uh, Patrick Schick. Come on. Uh, I mean, these are two big things that he was high school scorer. Then, of course, we have Lewandowski. I think the person that is questionable to have there is Holland, which, no. okay. He is, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He is obviously an animal. I'm not saying that he's not like he's an animal, but when when it comes to what how he did, actually, did Holland win the best, the highest goal scorer for the Champions League? Is that last season? What's the highest goal scorer for the Champions League? Last season, let me look it up. I, I believe so, but let me double check though. Okay. Or I mean, it, it, yeah. Maybe that's why he was there, but I think this is where you could have put somebody else, and I I'm trying to figure out if I don't know if Salah was the right person because honestly, I don't think so because across across multiple multiple uh competitions or leagues he was only highest in the epl so based on that criteria alone like no he wasn't even highest in the epl it was harry kane 
Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So I, I I've heard people say uh, Salah. I don't think he should be there because of that reason. Um, are they but, including in the, this ranking? Though, are they including this the current season up till now? Is it the whole? It's the year of 2021, the calendar yeah. year 2021. I think it's a fis- fiscal year, Justin. It's fiscal yeah. year. <laughs> right. I think the business. Let Let's be real. I I I don't. I think they probably look at what this person has achieved. So sure, maybe okay. Let's say Cristiano Ronaldo scored 10 goals so far this new season. Who cares? Because he was high school scorer in in the Syria and he was high school scorer in um. In the Euro, so who, why do we care if he scored 10 or 20 goals now? Like it doesn't matter. He already showed that for most of the year that he was he was a beast. And then the last what uh, third of the year, maybe he wasn't as much of a beast. I mean, like Messi, right? But I mean, I don't think you can discount Messi and Ronaldo even after what they've achieved, just because we're used to them just scoring all these crazy amounts of goals every season, right? I think they I think they deserve, deserve just, to be there. Yeah, I think this 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 uh, list more so than any other. I don't know if this is the, how the criteria actually work, but uh, in my view, it should be very purely based on individual accomplishment. Like, there's so many other reward uh, awards, the Blonde Award, other things, World right. Player of the Year that are ba- focused on like not only your statistic, like you know, individual contributions, but also like trophies won, you know, by your by your team or by your national squad. Uh, this one is, I think, should be like just like flat out who are the best players in the world, regardless of like silverware actually won. Because you can like Holland, like what is he like? You're, he can't win trophies. Like he plays for Dortmund right now. Like his domestic league is locked down. You should have thought about that before he started. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but then we can't we can't say that though. Then we then you're saying that. I mean, I don't think Holland should be, should have been there. Sure, he's a phenomenal player. I'm not going to doubt that. But there are people that individually were better than Holland last season or last year, whatever the you know. If it's even the, so, not many. I can't think of. If it's last year, I can tell you one, and and I I can't believe I'm actually defending this guy, but I would have chose I would have put Benzema over Holland there. I think Benzema was, would be one of the players that you could make an argument of dropping one of these four for him. I mean, I'm, oh, not Lewandowski. Lewandowski is locked well, in. No, 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 yeah. One of the other three, you could argue, I guess. To so be sure. honest, I would say Benzema, and obviously I'm not saying that one of the other is better than the other, but I think Benzema and Holland are in the same category where like, we know they're great players, but then individually, like, statistically, they didn't have, they don't have, like, how many goals did uh, Benzema score? In La Liga, I don't think. I mean, I mean, obviously we know. Actually, I think he was probably the second highest. He carried. He carried Real Madrid. No, I know, I know. I, so, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like I love Benzema. Honestly, I think Benzema got shafted when Ronaldo was was in Real Madrid. But I think, I mean, that's another conversation. By the way, we can have um, to see if 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 Benzema would have been a better, a bigger player right now if Ronaldo was not at. Real Madrid. But I think it's hard because if we then say, okay, sure, let's say, okay, who was more helpful to your team? I guess you could say technically Benzema was also helpful, but also Holland was helpful to Dortmund because, you know, he helped them score, those, score all those goals in, in crucial times because their defense sucked. So it's like, 
everyone was useful. Everyone's always going to be so, so. There's always someone that will be useful to their team. But then we have to look at other aspects. Okay, how many goals compared to this other person did this person score in the calendar year? And what does that mean, right? Like, what, like maybe that's better or that scene that's better than this other person. I don't know. But okay. I think so the gonna... whole question is, yeah. No, sorry. I don't know. The whole question is what? Yeah, uh, I mean, I was going to actually move on to just say, hey, did you see the midfield? They put the, the goat of the midfield. Yeah, Kevin yeah. De Bruyne. This is the only reason why City is doing well. Let's be honest. Hey, yeah. hey. Bori, I just want to I just want to bring something to your attention. It might be the third random fact of the day for you that'll blow your mind. Seeing as how you respect Messi so much, do you want to know who was out of that midfield? Who was in Kevin? Uh, who was in uh, Messi's uh, top three that he voted for out of that midfield? Oh, it was like I saw Mbappe, Neymar. Oh wait, is it by mid? Like. Like he's like, top three with Mbappe, Neymar, and so, uh, somebody else. I can't remember. No, for for Ballon d'Or, and 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 for voting for FIFA Pro. You want to know which name came across consistently out of that midfield for Messi? Oh, was it Jorginho? It sure was. Oh. it sure was. And Someone there's voted proof. From, there's it wasn't Messi that voted. It wasn't <laughs> Messi that voted. I I don't I don't believe that. <laughs> but then you know, you're you, the person you consider the GOAT. Voted for Jorginho, so there you go. I don't ever want to. I don't ever want you to question why Jorginho is in that midfield. Hey, that that the the best yet Jorginho will ever have. I don't think you will. No, I, I I mean I agree. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, um, Benzema was was second highest goals goal scored uh, in La Liga last season. Yeah, Benzema Benzema would deserve to be in this list then I think. Yeah, well, I think we just need to reduce it to three forwards. So Messi, Ronaldo, and Lewandowski, and then beef up the midfield. And and let's say I would choose I would have chosen Benzema over Ronaldo if that if you're only to choose three. I don't think it's fair to say that because of of what Ronaldo achieved with in two in two tournaments or one league and one tournament. You know, like this I, is it's, just a, this is just a popularity contest at the end of the day. It's not, That's all it is. I I think I, mean, I think people are wrong, really. I guess. Realizing that, like, oh, yeah, Leo Messi can score 50 goals a season. Oh, okay, we've seen that before, right? Like, I think we're getting desensitized to, like, that. And, and we're not... I, no, I, I mean, I yeah, we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled. Yes, we've been spoiled. But at the same time, I think we've got to decide and accept that they're not at the level that they are anymore. And it's time to... Start sure, passing the torch. Who's beating them though? The That's the thing. No one is still beating them, even okay. at their worst. You know, Dude, like Lewandowski. Lewandowski has been like by far. I mean, the, the, sure, the guy sure, is sure. a, a machine. You know what I mean, like, yeah. Right. Um, right. This hey. year, this year, Benzema, Mo Salah are are having a terrific season thus far. Yeah. Um, even Blahovic and. Is killing yeah, it too. So yeah. th- there you go. I started. I just named four or five. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but see, that's that's a short like like over time. Vlau like over the course of last year, Vlaovic was not a better forward than like Messi or than like Ronaldo. Like that. I see what you're saying, but so let's say for this year when we're talking about Ballon d'Or and Fifth Pro or whatever, then we can talk about 
Benzema. We can talk about Salah, you know, like, but they have to be the highest. And I don't think the way things are going, to be honest, I don't think Ronaldo or Messi will even be highest goal scorer in any sure, of the well. All they need yeah. to do is just win one tournament, one random cup. Well, like Messi will score in like the the Coupe de France. Like they'll, <laughs> score, they'll win like one zero on a Messi PK or free oh. kick, and then they'll be like the goat, you know, like Ballon d'Or, Ballon d'Or nominee. I think I think we should probably end it here. We, we've gone way over. Um, but thank you all for listening. Uh, we are on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. Um, we, I think we're back now, so we'll see you next week. Um, have a good one. Bye-bye.